Hi there folks, you're listening to the Monument Cycling Podcast. I'm Owen Lake and today we're joined by Fionn James. Fionn's going to be chatting to us about her love of cyclocross and the growth of the sport. We're going to get the lowdown on what it takes to be a national series champion, the stress of a Cambridge University degree and the challenge of making a jump from national to international competition. So Fionn, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on being the 2020 National Trophy winner. You were chasing the lead coming into the final round. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. So it was um, it was quite a close for um, a race for the title between me and another girl, Sophie Thackeray. So coming into the final round, um, I think it was like literally a few points in it. Yeah. Um, which I have to say, it sounds incredibly exciting, but the kind of thing that people miss is that you actually get to drop a round and... I'd already missed a round, so that was the round I was going to drop, while she hadn't missed a round. So when you take away one of her rounds, she was actually more like 20, 30 points behind me. So okay. it wasn't quite as exciting as it sound, um, <laughs> sounded coming into the, the final round. But um, but yeah, I managed to have a, like a good final race. I think I came third in York in the final round. Um, and yeah, I think I had to come, I think I worked out I had to come like top nine uh, if she won it um, and I was going to win a title. So as long as nothing, like no disasters happened, it was it was all sealed before that. So it was, it was pretty dead certain that she wasn't... Basically, yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's, that's cool then. Yeah, yeah. as you say, because three points makes it sound tight. Yeah. Really tight. Yeah. And like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Was there still pressure if you're not that close? Um, I mean, you, you can't have an off day. Yeah, no, definitely. Sometimes it's, it's almost even worse because really like I I had to win it like there was no reason why I shouldn't have won it yeah so sometimes it's almost worse like that because it's like there is actually pressure for you to do well but um but yeah no it it was all fine like I've done a lot of races now and I've been under high pressure conditions a lot so to be honest it never gets easier but yeah yeah but yeah it it was fine on the day I feel you you get used to it don't you yeah in some ways yeah sometimes yeah I feel like you do get used to it but also I I have no idea how many races I've done. Like it must be hundreds and hundreds, but I mean, I still get nervous before every race. Yeah. So in a way you don't really get oh, used really? to it. Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> find still, that anyway. I guess if you're still, I still get nervous. You're still getting the nerves and that yeah. means you, your body knows it's really like. Yeah. Yeah. I think you need the nerves. Yeah. yeah. You need the nerves to like get you going and get you motivated to race. So Sophie had to ride an attacking race. Yes. It was, she yeah, it was to, down to her. She really. had to not just drop you. She had to win and crack you enough for you to, to drop out of the top 10 yes so that would have been like really good tactics but the thing is with york it was it was such a tough course that there wasn't really any tactics involved and it was basically like like the strongest rider was going to win so i think she had a good start but straight away it it, like it spread out and you were by yourself and it was just like get in the zone get through the race so i to be honest i didn't really see her the whole race (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds a bit brutal. Yeah, I know, that's savage. So, it, <laughs> did, you said it was a tough course. Yeah. Is it is it technically difficult? Was it just like muddy, um, or boggy? Yeah, like? it, there was, it rained so much beforehand. And um, yeah, it was, it's just the kind of grass that just cuts up really bad. Mm. So there's a lot of flat sections in it and they were just incredibly boggy. So that just turns into running and running on the flat is like, it's just not enjoyable. Yeah. And then there's a lot of off cambers as well. And they were such steep off cambers that like 
also they ended up being running as well so literally half the course is running which okay. no no cyclist really likes like i always make the excuse that i hate running but then we're all cyclists so everyone yeah doesn't really like running that much so um it was it was tough like there were sections that like were really hard technically and if you could ride it and someone else was going to run it then you were going to be an at an advantage so um i like i really liked the course i thought mm. it was really good okay you yeah. prefer the harder courses or do you prefer like because yeah. there are fast flowing courses there are mm. like technical courses and then there yeah. are just like power courses yeah do you have a preference um, i love anything technical that's yeah. my favorite bit of cyclocross and i used to think i like the mud oh well i definitely do like the mud those are my favorite races but i actually have found recently that i perform better on the drier faster courses okay um but then I can't help but love what I'd call a proper cross race. Yeah. When the conditions are like really, really tough and you're like changing your bike every lap. Absolutely savage conditions. Yeah. yeah. So there's this dichotomy between what you what you really like mm-hmm. and then what you found you're actually best at. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which makes it kind of hard. But yeah. Saddle cross is so varied. So you kind of need to, you need to find a way that like you can perform on all courses and hopefully enjoy all courses as well yeah yeah that's a good point isn't it yeah i guess it's not the, it's not the same as just saying i'm not a mountain climber or i'm mm. not a sprinter yeah if you want to especially if you want to win like a season-long event yeah. like a national trophy you have to be able to compete on all of them yeah yeah exactly yeah so and they can range from anything from like pretty much a crit race to a mountain bike race to a running race and yeah if you want to do well in a series you need to be good at all of them or even like come world champs like one year it could be an incredibly technical course and then the next year it just might be really really fast and flowing so yeah you definitely got to be able to perform in all conditions yeah which clearly you can and you do a bit of mountain biking do a bit of road racing so yes that does help those skills up yeah and how do you find the pressure yeah do you find you I don't know, you have your own little ways of dealing with it? Um, I don't I don't really know. I try and... It's definitely pressure I put on myself, not other people. Right. So okay. it's trying to think... I, I've actually found it's helped since I've come to uni because you kind of see the bigger picture and realise that the race is not the be-all and end-all. Um, and also, I yeah, I don't really feel too much pressure because like, if I don't do that well in this race, it's, it's not the end of the world. You race almost every weekend and yeah. all the top riders have off days. So it's just trying to like talk sense to yourself really. But also like you still need to get a little bit nervous and feel a little bit of pressure because I find I perform better. Like you get the adrenaline going. You don't want to be too relaxed. No, because like you still need to want to win. Like if you don't care about the result, then... (laughs) What are you doing? Yeah, exactly. Might as well stay at home. You need to feel a little bit of pressure, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense, I guess. And is that something that's replicated across with the... Because you're at, at University of Cambridge. Yeah. Studying chemistry yes what year are you in i'm in my third year now so this is final year yes yeah so it's a different type of pressure but yeah presumably very real and very pressing yeah um yeah no it's very different it's it's quite a high pressure environment here like obviously you're around very high performing people um but i i like it like i really really like it and again it's it's kind of similar to the cycling it is just the pressure you put on yourself Mm. like if you want to do really well then you, yeah, you're going to put pressure on yourself. But I, yeah, I really enjoy it. Yeah. So. And how do you find balancing those two? Um, it is very difficult. Like I haven't made my life easy. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, You've chosen like the two <laughs> highest pressure things you can do in yeah. international level sport and uh, like a world-class degree. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I guess I just, growing up, I really 
liked both and I was very good at both. Mm. And I kind of got to the stage where I was doing my A-levels and I was kind of trying to think about what I wanted to do next. And I was trying to make the decision between do I want to be a full-time athlete or do I want to go to Cambridge University and study? So it felt like two very, very different pathways. And I was so torn for so long and couldn't make my mind up. Um, but then I was kind of like, oh, why can't I just try and do both? <laughs> why not? Um, <laughs> so it's been a bit of a challenge, um, but I just have to be organized and good time management, basically what you'd expect. But I'm not really someone who can just like, I like to be busy basically. And I think I, I perform better when I'm busier and I've got other distractions. Um, so I think they actually go quite well together. Like, obviously I'm not going to be um, a pro cyclist and be winning the world champs. Like that's just unrealistic, but I feel like you can still perform at quite a high level whilst studying. At the right. Same okay. Time. So, so there's no need, I guess a lot of people make that thing, especially in cycling, they make that choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm not going to go to university. I'm yeah. going to go all in on cycling. Yeah. And I guess it's replicated across all sports. You mm. get people who put uh, their academic progress to one side. Yeah. Um, your experience like is you don't need to do that well um I think it depends how far you want to get in your sport like if I did want to make it to the top then I have realized that I definitely I wouldn't necessarily have to put it completely to the side but I definitely couldn't do a Cambridge degree at the same time it's just (laughs) (laughs) it's just unrealistic um I just don't have enough time basically to to train that much and also like traveling and racing it's just like you just couldn't do it but I still definitely think you can perform at a high level like definitely nationally and like you can compete internationally so you can kind of lay the foundations because I guess a lot of people feel there's a rush yeah exactly people think yeah you get to 18 or whatever and you need to suddenly make that decision but I yeah there's I mean there's plenty of examples of people who have been to university um, and then afterwards decided they wanted to become a pro cyclist. So it's it's doable. Yeah. I think that that's something that's really important to to remind uh, particularly young people. You see yeah. them racing as yeah. an organizer. You see people coming up and, and young riders coming up. Yeah. And they're starting to go all in and they're young. Yeah. And you're like, dude, you don't have to do that. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> and like, it's good to have a backup as well. You know, yes, your, a, a pro career might last 10 years um until you're 35 40 if you're lucky yeah um uh, then you've got to do something else yeah so you've either got to hope that you've made your millions or (laughs) (laughs) or or have a good plan for something else that interests you no definitely yeah no i i completely agree with that like you do see so many young people these days who commit at such a young age like neglect school even when they're growing up and then anything can happen. Like you might be amazing, but you could just get injured the next day yeah. and that's your career. career yeah, it's over. a very fickle sport, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, I, and I don't, yeah, I still, like you graduate from university at like 21 or whatever. You're still so yeah. young, like yeah, so, exactly. so young. So, I mean, yeah, you see people performing at an incredibly high level at like 35 or 40. So there's no reason why you couldn't just go work for 10 years and then become a pro cyclist. Like, yeah, and you they, see that more, more yeah. and more often um yeah like particularly on the women's side there, there are yeah. a lot of people with like a huge amount of longevity it's, yeah there are there are loads of people who've like come to the sport incredibly late um and there's some of the strongest girls out there and quite often the most motivated because they've they're doing it because they really want to like they're stopping doing these really well-paid full-time jobs 
to go do something where they're just scraping by. Just <laughs> but because, they're doing it because they love it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess the question is, do you want to make the step up? The the career change, you've got two really good options. You can either, you know, carry on with a, an academic subject, carry on with the chemistry, or go all in, as you say, you hit 20, uh, you're 20. I'm 22, actually. Yeah, so yeah. you finish your degree this year. Yes. You could then go all in. How do you take that decision? And, and if you choose cycling, how do you take the next step up? Yeah, so... Yeah, this degree has actually gone very, very fast and I can't believe I'm in my final year now. So yeah, it is making that decision again like that I did when I was 18. So I, yeah, I've been thinking about it a lot recently and I really, really enjoy my degree, but I really, really enjoy cycling. (laughs) And I I know I'd, I would regret it, I think, if I never gave it a go, even if it was just for a year or two. So at the moment... I am like, it's all a bit up in the air, but I'm hoping that I might um, kind of give it a proper go or at least take it a step up from what I do now, um, which is quite difficult because you have to like, you have to find how you're going to fund it, like teams and sponsorship and you need to have like plans and goals in mind and, and things like that. So it's, there's a lot to think about and it's a little bit daunting, I guess yeah. as well, but um it's definitely something I want to try. So I'm not saying definitely, but like it's definitely going to happen this year, but I I would quite like to and I give it I a shot. Like it might. Yeah, at least. Yeah. We've seen a few a few riders certainly with Trinity racing. Yes. Um so that's Pidcock, Mason and Abby, Abby May Parkinson. Yeah. yeah. They've stepped up away from the national scene into the mm-hmm. international scene as a UCI team. Yes. Um is that something that once you finish your degree, you think yeah. you that's the direction you want to yeah. take? Um, yeah, I I think so. I, at the moment, cyclocross is probably my favourite discipline. Yeah. Um, but it is quite difficult to to find a team like Trinity, which are going to support you completely. Like there are there is a lot of support in cyclocross, but quite often only really right at the top like if you want if you want all the support to be a full-time cyclist so um it's definitely a step I'd like to take in the direction but at the moment because I've only been racing nationally like I probably haven't quite got the results to to show for it so it's probably something that might take a year or so to get to to get to that stage okay yeah so Um, a year of riding full-time training full-time exactly competing yeah. a bit more in the international scene yes so i feel like the first year doing it is always going to be a little bit of a struggle like it's you kind of need to prove yourself like i hopefully people will see potential i guess like because they know i've like i'm not a full-time cyclist at the moment and if i stepped up then hopefully i can make some really really big gains and yeah. improve a lot so you kind of need people to have a bit of trust in you i guess um but also it's understandable that if teams and sponsors are like chucking money at you to to race that they kind of want a little bit of proof that you're you're going to get somewhere with it so um so that's always the you see that on the road as well the yeah the balance between getting a team that is willing to throw enough money at you now Mm. for you to make a living and uh, and do well they're expecting results Mm. now yeah but then they're also teams that um say hey you know don't don't worry about it we're gonna 
take some time will develop you as a writer. Yes. So there's always going to be a balance yeah. between those two things. Yes. So and like right now, definitely the development thing would, is what I would need. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of just going to have to like start talking to people and see what options there are. Um, and there are a lot of people. Like I think in the UK, there's there's a lot of teams that are working on developing riders. So hopefully, I might be able to get someone with that. Yeah. And if you went that route, yes. <laughs> the million dollar question: Would yeah. you then want to do like a a Matthew Vanderpool, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and and ride cyclocross for a, for a few years, dominate that hopefully, uh, and then. <laughs> switch to the road or does the road not interest you enough compared to cyclocross so i i really really like all disciplines like yeah. well i say all disciplines well cyclocross road and mountain bike like i grew up mostly with mountain biking and then a few years ago i gave it a shot on the road and i really enjoyed that and then more recently i've come back to cyclocross and i feel like i've kind of got unfinished business in all disciplines and i definitely okay, yeah. want to go back to all of them um there's also things like the fact that mountain biking and road are like Commonwealth game sports and being yes, Welsh, yeah, that's that true. is something I'd like to aim towards in the future. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to give them another go. Also, there's, I think being on the road, there's definitely a lot of more opportunities teams wise. Um, so that would be another thing I think about and also I feel like I mean Vanderpool can do both of them at the same time I mean he can do three different disciplines at the same yeah. time and, and like Marianne Voss uh, yeah there's way more examples than uh, yeah just there, there are a huge a huge number of riders yeah. that, that do it successfully it, actually especially on the women's side like if yeah. you look at the top of the the cyclocross races abroad like all of them are either like mountain bikers or road riders and yeah. perform really really well at both so I don't really see like a reason why I couldn't try doing both of them as well. Oh, perfect. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably the best way to do it. Is yeah. To think if, if you love all the disciplines, if you yeah. love the cycling, yeah. continue doing it. Why cut out one aspect of it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then I might find in a year or two's time that there's one I really, really like and one I want to focus on. But for now, I feel like I just, yeah, I want to try them all out, see what I'm best at, see what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And you mentioned getting sponsors to do that, to step mm. up uh, yeah. once you finish. We've all seen the the sponsorship tr struggles for British cycling uh, and the British cycling events and teams yeah. on the road side, particularly mm. on the men's side. Yeah. Um, Lincoln Grand Prix is up in the air. Yeah. Is that something that we see across cyclocross, uh, mountain biking as well? Are, are they... Do they feel like they're in a lull right now or, or are they on the ascendancy regardless? Yeah, at the moment, I'd say with cyclocross, I mean, especially in the UK, it's it's the opposite. Like right. it's a growing sport at the moment, especially like participation levels wise, like the amount of riders racing just like local leagues or the national leagues is, is growing all the time. Mm. And you're seeing these new teams being set up like Trinity um, and yeah, various other development teams. So um but I think there's still a long way to go. Like with cyclocross in the UK, like we're still a long way behind countries like Belgium and Netherlands. So if you want to become a top rider, there isn't actually much opportunity in the UK at the moment, teams wise. So so you have to go abroad to do that? Not necessarily. Like, But I think if you want to yeah, make it as a, a pro cyclocross rider, you probably will have to go abroad at least for part of the season yeah 
Um, like you see a lot of the American riders will do the same. They'll come across to Belgium for half the season because that's that's where the sport is, basically. It's where it's based. And right, okay. Because they've already got a like a healthy uh, sponsorship scene there. Yeah. A healthy grassroots scene as well. Yeah, exactly. Like I the, mean, The stronger that is. Yeah. And it's like the national sport, basically, in Belgium, cyclocross is. Yeah. So it's, yeah, like every race is televised and... I guess that's why the sponsors put money into the teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Whilst in the UK, like I guess it's for a team to set be set up, it's, it's quite limited for UK sponsors, I guess, what they're going to get out of the sport at the moment. But it is still growing and hopefully we'll see it improve. Could and, you see um, yourself living in Belgium? You know, if, if you had to? Uh, for part of the year, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like it is a nice country. I don't, definitely not permanently, but I would be committed to to go across there and yeah race because like there's races every single weekend see you can't travel to and from every single week it's just not gonna work so um so yeah i i could see that happening like yeah i really love the sport so i think living across there for like some of the winter it would be fine yeah 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 definitely might make a change you see sometimes sending with cyclocross people going to and from races in like camper vans yeah yeah <laughs> camper know. vans with the, your face on as well <laughs> yeah like your, your own branding yeah yeah is that not something you want to do <laughs> um, well a camper van would be very useful at a cross race because obviously it's like very cold very muddy but you get like a sky style or in your sky I mean, death style that would you know? be right some like some of the teams are starting to get them now you see these massive really? buses turn up they realize like that's the way forward so, <laughs> you're, um, you're turning up in a yeah. in a small car and yeah. of, uh, you know getting changed in there and you see yeah <laughs> i know huge huge team bus turn up a little with, bit intimidating yeah. but, <laughs> but i guess if you're competing there you know you, you know you're doing something right yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you're yeah. up against the some of the best in the world if you're doing that yes yeah it is really cool how like when you do go race in belgium you you do just turn up in the car park and like there was one race and like next to me was Vanderpool parked. Nice. So he had his massive yeah. camper van there and then he turns up in his Porsche before the race and just like right outside my car door. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the Did really cool things about Cyclocross. Did you get an autograph? He was, he was swamped straight away. Um, and also <laughs> I felt like I was, I don't know, I was racing. So I wasn't really sure if like another competitor... <laughs> Is this going to get in the way of... <laughs> well, yeah. Also, I feel kind of bad, like he gets bothered so much so i would feel um bad asking him for his photo or his autograph i just feel really guilty i don't Maybe know why give it a couple of years and he'll be asking you instead <laughs> yeah. i think that's that's probably the uh, yeah the best way yeah, to think true, about it true and then you won't then it won't matter yeah exactly yeah. i'll wait for that time <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it like two years <laughs> yeah okay uh, yeah, i'd be happy with finish, that finish the degree this year uh have about half a year to, to prep and then yeah boom yeah true that would be that would be the best way to do it. I mean, that would be great. Because uh, I mean, you're saying you're getting swamped. Yes. The fans over there. Yeah. It's huge. Oh, you get a lot massive. of a lot of spectators at each race. Yes. Yeah. Loads. Um. I mean, the spectators actually have to pay like 15 euros to, really? to go watch a cyclocross race. Yeah. But they're all willing to do it. Like, people just absolutely love it. Like, you get these men turn up, and you've got these massive beer tents, and you'll just get like go get drunk at 11 o'clock on it's a, like a big party. Sunday morning. It's a massive party. Like, <laughs> are, like, are they all there for the racing or is some of them um, just like, hey, there happens to be some bike racing. On. Yeah. I'm going to go get drunk. I, I'm going to jump around, <laughs> listen to some music. Yeah, I feel whatever. like hopefully most of them are into the, the racing, but I'm pretty sure there are some people who don't leave the beer tent all day. I'm sure. If you so. said to some people, hey, it's 15 quid entry to this 
amazing venue yeah. uh, where everyone's going to be G'd up. Yeah. Some people would do true. that anyway, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, true. True. It's probably cheaper places you could go, but... <laughs> yeah, I guess once you're in, the bid's going to be expensive. Yes. No, it really is. But it, it's a great atmosphere. Like, yeah. at, it makes races, to be honest. Like, yeah. The, the amount of spectators there and, like, the music and they're all, like, cheering and, like, really, really into it. It just, the racing is so, so good. Do you get to, as a competitor, do you get to watch the other ones for free? Yeah, yeah, you, you get free entry. Nice. Yeah, so, like, the women's race is usually before the men's, so quite often I'll go watch the men's afterwards. Sweet. Yes, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> yes, so, yeah, how fast they go around yeah. the course is unbelievable, so. That's going to be yeah. pretty enjoyable, though. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. And, I guess from my perspective, if they're charging people, does, does that happen here for the bigger races at all or not? No, actually the national champs this year was the first time I'd been to a race in the UK where they charge people oh, to really? go watch. So I think it was £2 to go watch, which is like, I mean, it's nothing in comparison. You still got people concept, complaining yeah. as well beforehand, really? but it costs so much money for these like little local clubs to put on these big races. Mm. So, like I think it's just going towards making the event, oh yeah, like run a bit smoother and, like it was it was a really really great event. So, yeah. um, and it definitely didn't put off uh, any spectators coming. I mean, yeah. well, hopefully not anyway. So, I think it's something they could bring in, but at the moment it is quite limited the amount of people you get watching in British races. You need this critical mass of like, okay, there are actually enough people here to charge. Otherwise we're just charging like one man and his dog. Yeah, exactly. Because most of the people are competitors who then just hang around and watch the the races afterwards. Yeah, that makes sense. Because we've seen some really big races in the the UK, some like grassroots ones. Yeah. Did you see the Velo Bants? Yes. Cyclocross in the city? Yeah. 160 women. Yeah, crazy. That's just in the women's field. Like yeah. if you had 160 riders in a, in any race in a mm-hmm. total, you'd be happy. Yeah. But yeah. that was just in the women's side. Yeah, I know. It was absolutely amazing. Um, I think that was the Central League, right? I think. Yes, so I think so. Yeah. I went to one of the Central Leagues actually a few weeks after that because I was hoping I would make that round, but I couldn't make it. So I went to another one and I think there was, I mean, there was like 70 women on the start line then. Damn. So there was like 10 rows um, of, you don't of want to start the back of that, do you? No, no, that would not be ideal. <laughs> and I just couldn't get over it. It was, it was absolutely amazing. Um, so yeah, to think incredible. there was more than double that at the, the other race, it's yeah. just, it's crazy. Like I remember starting racing like in the women's field like five years ago, and like in a national trophy, you might get like two rows, maybe three rows of people, like twenty, thirty riders. In a local league, you might get, you might be lucky to get five, ten women. So wow. the amount it's changed in five years is crazy. That grows incredible. Yeah, yeah, it is. And is there a particular reason why? Is there something that you say, hey, whether it's related to to getting 160 women riding mm. or just a huge number of people, is there something yeah. specific about cyclocross you go, yeah, that's probably, that's why. Yeah, um, I, think, I think there could be a few reasons. One of them maybe being that like, so British riders have not really performance before at a high level um and in these last few years we've had like a boom in the results we've had like in world championships like a few years ago when they'd been like bid like i think one or two world championship medals in the past and then suddenly they had three junior boys completely sweeping the podium yeah and then like this year we've had another two medals we had like evie richards winning the the first world under 23 title yeah she did (laughs) she really did (laughs) so i think 
that must be really, really inspiring to see these riders um, performing. And yeah, I, success like that um, really, yeah, I guess inspires people mm. to to start up the sport. Um, it gets more people watching it and then just realizing how great it is. Because yeah. I think part of the reason not loads of people did it like five, 10 years ago is because maybe not a lot of people knew much about it and didn't realize okay, yeah, how yeah. great a sport it was. Um, so like it's getting a lot more coverage now just in like general just like in british cycling and even, mainstream yeah ish cycling mainstream yeah exactly so you, coverage. yeah so like a lot of road cyclists will now know what it is and their friends will be starting it up in the winter and they'll probably be tempted to give it a try themselves because yeah. it's fun um, as well it's it's totally different to yeah. riding on the road you're yeah. not doing 120 150k you're you're just smashing around yeah. the forest with some friends. Exactly. Like that. I think it's it's much more accessible for people to just start. Like I think as long as you've got an appropriate bike, then you can just rock up on the start line at any race and just get around the course. And and yeah, it's compared to like a road race where you do need a certain level of, of skill. And right, yeah. Um, is a bit there's a bit more to it I think well yeah sat across you just rock up on your bike you start the race no one knows where you are when you get started because you spread <laughs> out you might get lapped by the leader so that doesn't matter um, and then yeah it's just like it's just so much fun like everyone loves just like sliding around in the mud yeah. like what's not to love about <laughs> so that? that that like inclusivity and yeah. the, from the outset that mindset that it's just it's it's mainly going to be a fun day out yeah yeah that maybe is something that really attracts people i think so yeah, yeah definitely that makes sense um, is this... you can do it as like a, a family like there was a race a few years ago that went to our local welsh league and i think me my brother my sister and my mum all did the race oh, and then sweet. you see like families turning up and there's like the two parents racing with their two little kids as well so yeah. it's just like a great weekend out yeah and all it, of le- you can less of a bike race it. and more of just a cool thing that you you go out and do yeah exactly and you can take it as seriously as you want like you can turn up to a a local western league for example it could be your first ever race and then you might be on the start line with the the current world champion like evie richards for example which i remember racing here a few years ago in a local league yeah so there's not many other disciplines where you can turn up on the start line with a world champion. Yeah. You often say how inclusive it is that you can go and ride on the same roads and maybe come across somebody training who's a pro or or a world champion. Yeah. But as you say, to to actually line up and race, Mm. that's inspiring. Yeah. Oh, definitely. That's going to get young Even if you get lapped after three laps. (laughs) No, exactly. You're in the same race. You competed against them. You go away afterwards and say, I just competed in the same race as Eve Richards. Yeah. Exactly. It's pretty cool. It is cool. And yeah. and that presumably it's gonna be difficult for other races, other disciplines to Yes. I mean no one can just rock up and enter the Tour de France. Like <laughs> it doesn't really happen. So yeah, it's uh it's it's really accessible and yeah, you get to race against amazing riders. So there's yeah, there's not I mean not many sports I think where you get to do that. Yeah. Is there something that you think like a takeaway that organizers can and and should do to attract more people like you yeah i think so i think i feel like a lot of organizers are doing that already like quite often i've seen people advertising races and i i like that one of the first things you do would be to show off this amazing rider that you've got entered like mm. saying tom pidcock is entered into this race that will inspire people to come yeah just 
because they know they get to race against them. And it's the same when you go abroad. Like people will do anything to get Vanderpool on the start line because it gets so many. More they'll, pay, they'll pay. They'll pay. They'll oh, pay a huge pay amount. Big yeah. money. Yeah. yeah. And I um, guess if you're then charging people to turn up and watch, that's gonna pay pay itself back. Yeah. It? Oh, yeah. exactly. Like you'll get so many more people watching if Vanderpool's on the start line. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I think it would definitely inspire. Uh, more riders to enter the race because you get to race against Vanderpool. So yeah. So why not? Damn. So yeah. That'd be that would be cool. That would yeah. that would bring me back into racing. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Somebody definitely. somebody said yeah, just around the corner you've got the world champion. Yeah. I'd be be there in a shot. Yeah. Hundred percent. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you so much. I could ask questions for hours. Yeah. <laughs> but unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have hours. That's okay. all we've got time for. Yeah. So, uh, Fionn. Thank you very much for your time uh, and your willingness to share some insightful thoughts. Um, Folks, if you want to hear more from Fionn, maybe we'll have her on again. That would be nice. Maybe after you've had a few more more races mid-season. Yeah. Prepping in for the the next side cross season, we can have you on again, see how it's going. Um, If they want to follow you, Instagram. Instagram. uh, Don't really use Twitter. Strava, you can follow me if you really want to. Your Instagram is uh, Uh, Fionn. GA97 yes, two it. F's for people who don't yes, know they're Welsh yes. yeah um, <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> it <laughs> you know worth pointing out yeah no <laughs> had some weird pronunciations of that before so <laughs> yeah exactly hopefully I've been getting it right throughout yes yeah you have <laughs> <laughs> uh, for everyone else make sure you follow Monument Cycling on Instagram uh, and Twitter and Facebook you can stay up to date with all our races events content and future podcasts folks until then thank you very much Done. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> oh, nice. Perfect.